Good evening. Every now and then in your studies, you come across a verse that you think is so familiar that it's just going to lend itself to a certain type of lesson. And that happened to me this week. I came across a verse in Joel chapter 3 that I just recognized from somewhere and I thought to myself, I know exactly how this lesson is going to play out. I know just how this is going to develop and exactly what it's going to be about. Joel chapter 3 verse 10 says, Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. And some will translate that, and you may be reading, Let the weak say, I am strong. And I thought to myself, I recognize that from somewhere. I've heard a religious song that has that particular lyric in it. And I'm just sure that this is where it comes from. And so I looked it up and sure enough, there's a song uh, with Joel chapter 3 verse 10 as the base for its lyrics. It says, let the weak say I am strong. Let the poor say I am rich. Let the blind say I can see. It's what the Lord has done in me. And I thought, yes. Finally, the secular religious world against all odds has gotten one right. And they have tailor-made a lesson for me so that I don't have to work so hard. Some about things that seem too good to be true, right? So often they are. It was in this case. It was just a little too good to be true, but something that I've been taught since I started studying is to pay attention to the context of the Scripture you're teaching from. Many times, the first thought you have about the meaning of a verse can be wrong. And especially if it's one that you're very familiar with or that that the religious world likes to use. Every time you study a Scripture, and this was a lesson for me this week, you have to force yourself to let the context show you its meaning. In this case, the first glance of a generally religious person might be initially errant if it's based on popular religious music. Tonight we're going to to look at that popular understanding and perhaps offer a more contextually appropriate way to apply the message of Joel chapter 3 verse 10. And in the process we're going to learn how to find true strength from the Lord. Joel offers all of that to us. And so this secular understanding or, or this Uh, where this religious song comes from, let the weak say I am strong in Joel chapter 3 verse 10. As I said before, many would consider it to be encouraging and edifying from God to consider that even the weak are strong in the Lord, that even those who are physically disabled are more able and more than able to be mighty spiritual warriors in the Lord's kingdom. And that is a biblical message. That is one that is coming straight out of the Scriptures, like 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 and 10, where Paul talks about his own thorn in the flesh, something physical that was bothering him, that that kept him from feeling the way that he normally ought to. And Jesus' response to his prayers was, My grace is sufficient for you, for power is perfected in weakness. And Paul says, most gladly, therefore, I will rather boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I'm well content with weaknesses, with insults, with distresses, with persecutions, with difficulties for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This passage encourages 
especially those suffering with physical difficulty, and reminds us that we can be powerful spiritual warriors in the Lord's army, no matter what physically ails us. That's a powerful message. It's just not the message of Joel 3.10. And that's what we're looking at tonight. Tonight we're looking to find the contextual meaning of Joel 3.10 and what God intended when Joel penned the words, let the weak say, I am a mighty man. And upon further investigation, I would not wish for anyone in this room, or anyone, period, for that matter, to be the one who is weak, who says I'm strong. The Lord would not want you in that place. He calls all of us out of that place. And that's what we're going to find as we look back at Joel 3. Let's look back there together at Joel chapter 3. There are two groups under consideration, especially in Joel chapter 3. The first is all the nations. That's a lot of times called Gentiles, but here just all the nations. And it's all the nations surrounding the Lord's people. And then the other group, of course, is the Lord's people themselves. You'll see those sort of compared to each other, and the Lord is going to deal with each one. And try to follow, as we read through some verses here in Joel chapter 3, which group we're talking about in which verses, and which group you would like to be in by the time we get to the end. So let's start by looking at Joel chapter 3 verse 1. He says, For behold, in those days and at that time, when I restore the fortunes of Judah and Jerusalem. So there's going to be a restoration happening for Jerusalem and Judah. That's the Lord's people. He says, I will gather all the nations. That's everybody else. I will gather all the nations and bring them down to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Then I will enter into judgment with them there on behalf of my people and my inheritance Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations, and they have divided up my land. Now God's going to list off some of the things that all the nations have done to His people and to His land. And He's going to judge them for this. And He says He's going to judge them on behalf of His people. That doesn't sound like good news for all the nations. Sounds like good news for His people. So he details the things they've done. Verse 3, they've also cast lots for my people, traded a boy for a harlot, and sold a girl for wine that they may drink. Moreover, what are you to me, O Tyre, Sidon, and all the regions of Philistia? And so this is some of the people who have been doing this, some of all the nations he's talking about. He says, what are you to me? Are you rendering me a recompense? I like the... Uh, the way I think the New International translates that, are you repaying me for something? Are you paying me back by doing all these things to my people? He says, but if you do recompense me swiftly and speedily, I will return your recompense on your head. Since you've taken my silver and my gold, brought my precious treasures to your temples, and sold the sons of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks in order to remove them far from their territory, behold, I am going to arouse them from the place where you have sold them and return your recompense on your head. 
Also, I will sell your sons and your daughters into the hand of the sons of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, to a distant nation, for the Lord has spoken. Proclaim this among the nations. Notice the audience. Proclaim this among the nations. That's all the nations surrounding who will be judged. Proclaim this among the nations, verse 9. Prepare a war. Rouse the mighty men. Let all the soldiers draw near. Let them come up. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I am a mighty man. Hasten and come, all you surrounding nations, and gather yourselves there. And so God is calling not just the soldier of soldiers, the the mighty man who really is, but, but the weak. The farmer who doesn't have anything but makeshift weapons that he could probably pound out. And he says, you too, say you're a mighty man and you come for battle. You come down. And now there's a sort of a side from Joel where he may be calling to the Lord, bring down, O Lord, your mighty ones. And then he returns, let the nations be aroused and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. For there I will sit to judge all the surrounding nations. Put in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, tread, for the winepress is full. The vats overflow, for their wickedness is great. All of that is judgment terminology. We see some of it in the New Testament regarding salvation. Jesus says that the fields are white under the harvest, and that's a good thing. Not here. Here he says, put in the sickle. Here he says, the wine press is full, so come and stomp on it. It's judgment terminology. That's what he's going to do because in the end of verse 13, their wickedness is great. Multitudes, he says, verse 14. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. For the day of the Lord is near in the valley of decision. The sun and moon grow dark and the stars lose their brightness. The Lord roars from Zion and utters His voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth tremble. But the Lord is a refuge for His people and a stronghold to the sons of Israel. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God dwelling in Zion, my holy mountain. So Jerusalem will be holy and strangers will pass through it no more. The weak who say I'm strong in Joel chapter 3 verse 10 are not the Lord's people. They are those among all the nations whom God is calling into judgment. He's calling them into judgment. He's called all the nations, not only the mighty ones, but all the members, even the weak, to the valley of decision. And this valley of decision... It might be tempting to think of that as a place where you get to decide whether you'll be one of the Lord's people or not. Mm -mm. Once you get to the valley of decision, you are there to hear the Lord's judgment. You're there to hear the Lord's decision, not to make your own. And so he calls them to the valley of decision because they have mistreated his people. And so he will roar. And protect His people and avenge the wrongs done to them by all the nations. I can't imagine what it would be like to hear the roar of the Lord. 
When he simply spoke the Ten Commandments on Mount Sinai, it was enough for the people to fear for their lives, much less to hear him roar. So the question is, do you want to be one of those in the nations who is truly weak, but who stands to fight against the Lord anyway? Those weak who say, I'm strong, are part of the group who will be on the receiving end of God's judgment in the valley of decision. These are those who come to fight against the Lord, and never would I desire to have Him as an enemy. I don't want to be that sort of strong. I don't want to claim strength, although I'm truly weak, standing on my own before the judgment of the Lord in the valley of decision. But what if there was another type of strength? What if there was a type that stands with the Lord rather than against Him? Joel? Joel has that too. And this is where the lesson rises out of the text. Look back at Joel chapter 2. In Joel chapter 2 verses 1 through 11, we have a description of an army that he has sent. And it appears to me by the description that these are the locusts mentioned in the very beginning of the book. These are the locusts that God has sent to destroy the land because of His people's misbehavior. And so starting in verse 1, He says, Blow a trumpet in Zion and sound an alarm on my holy mountain. Let all the inhabitants of the land tremble for the day of the Lord is coming. Surely it is near. A day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. As the dawn is spread over the mountains, so there is a great and mighty people. There has never been anything like it, nor will there be again after it to the years of many generations. So he's describing at the beginning of this an army as numerous as the rays of the sun coming over the mountain. Verse 3, a fire consumes before them, and behind them a flame burns. The land is like the Garden of Eden before them, but a desolate wilderness behind them, and nothing at all escapes them. Their appearance is like the appearance of horses, and like war horses, so they run. With a noise as of chariots, they leap on tops of mountains, like the crackling of a flame of fire consuming the stubble, like a mighty people arranged for battle. Before them the people are in anguish, all faces turn pale. They run like mighty men, they climb the wall like soldiers, they each march in line, nor do they deviate from their paths. They do not crowd each other, they march everyone in his path. When they burst through the defenses, they do not break ranks. They rush on the city. They run on the wall. They climb into the houses. They enter through the windows like a thief. Before them, the earth quakes. The heavens tremble. The sun and the moon grow dark. And the stars lose their brightness. The Lord utters His voice before His army. Surely His camp is very great. For strong is He who carries out His word. The day of the Lord is indeed great and very awesome. And who can endure it? 
After that comes a promise from the Lord saying, Yet even now return to me with all your heart, with fasting, weeping, and mourning, and rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for He's gracious and compassionate. And so He, even in that moment, is promising mercy if they will return. But don't miss the end of verse 11. Strong is He who carries out His Word. What type of strength do you want? Do you want to be the the weak one who claims to be strong, challenging the Lord in battle in the valley of decision? Or do you want to be the one whom the Lord considers strong because you are carrying out His Word? I want to be the one carrying out His Word. I want the strength that's found only in having His Word to back my every decision. Do you realize how much strength and confidence that brings to your life when every moment, every decision, every choice, you can look and say, I did that because of what the Word of the Lord taught me. That's a great deal of strength in itself. When I'm following the command of Scripture in worship, my worship is strong. When I'm following God's Word in evangelism, my evangelism is strong. When I follow His Word in teaching and preaching, then that teaching and preaching is strong. When I follow His Word in every major life decision, my whole life and the direction of it and the outcome of it will be strong. And when I follow, when I follow Him in every small area as well, there will not be even an inch of my life that is weak. For strong is He who carries out His Word. I want to be in the army of the Lord, doing His will, carrying out His commands given through the Scriptures. I want Him to defend me in the valley of decision. That's the day of judgment. That's when we'll all be there and you will either be with His people or you will be one of the ones coming down to be defeated. I want His roar to defeat my enemies because I've chosen already to stand with Him. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 10 speaks of the prophecy of Jeremiah. And through Jeremiah, the Lord promised a new covenant The new covenant of which every Christian is part. And God says concerning every Christian through that prophecy, I will be their God and they will be my people. That is a powerful statement. That means that when you get to the valley of decision, if you've chosen to put Christ on in baptism, that you will be one of His people. He will roar in your defense and defeat all the enemies that come down to terrorize. And you will never have to be concerned with them again. We become the people of God by following the pattern for salvation presented in His Word. Hear that gospel, that He died for your sins, Jesus was buried, and now He lives again. Believe it. Repent of your sins. Turn away from them. Turn to follow God instead. 
and confess Jesus as Lord. That is, confess Him as Master, as the one who both saves and commands your life. And be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, and He will wash those sins away with His blood. And you will be forgiven. And you will continue to be part of His people as long as you continue in His Word. You will continue to be strong in Him as long as you continue in His Word. This was somewhat of a two-pronged lesson. One was a reminder to me, and I hope to you, that when you study... When you study His Word, to see the path that's laid out for you, don't just trust your first instinct. Sometimes that can lead you in the wrong way, especially when you're used to hearing a certain thing all the time. Be careful to apply the Scriptures in a way that matches their context so that you may see the path of God laid out before you clearly so that you may be strong in Him. And second, the question is, what type of strength do you live in tonight? What type of strength do you live in? Do you live in the strength that comes from carrying out the Word of the Lord? I certainly hope so. Or are you one who is weak, standing against God with makeshift weapons, claiming that your own strength is sufficient? If you're standing against God tonight, it's not too late to change. We have not yet arrived at the valley of decision. And if you need to make a change tonight, the time is still available to you. God is still accepting new citizenship papers for His kingdom. Because we haven't yet gotten to the valley of decision. So tonight, if you need to make a change... Please make that known by coming forward as we stand and sing.